it was my birthday and I was by myself. So I, I went to a little cafe. I got myself a little cupcake and I cried. I cried at the um, at the table by myself, tried to be very incognito about it because that was the height of my anxiety, the height of my depression. I'm like, I'm by myself. I don't have anybody. It's time to open your mind and expand your empire. You're listening to The Ted Huff Show. Join in for stories that embrace imperfections and become the inspiration you need to achieve true greatness in your life through actionable progress in the pursuit of self-discovery, self-improvement, and self-purpose. Where will your story take you? Now let's get it started with the man himself, your host, Ted Huff. Hey, welcome to episode 19 of The Ted Huff Show. We have Rakim Sabri on. He's an author, mentor, and co-founder of the nonprofit in extended hand, focusing on ending homelessness through community outreach. As a child, he was told anything is possible. And until working at a supermarket, witnessing people paying cash for groceries, he had only aspired to living on food stamps and in Section 8 housing. In this episode, you will learn why believing you can do anything is not enough and how self-reflection set Rakim on his path to mentorship. Hey, Rakim, I appreciate you joining me on this Head Huff show today. Uh, this is something that when you and I started talking, I was super excited about, especially about the things that you've got going on and how you're helping people. So for those who, who don't know Rakim. Sure. Uh, so again, Rakim Sabri, um, I am a millennial, author, entrepreneur, I work in corporate spaces through financial services, co-founder for a not-for-profit focused on ending homelessness, and I just have some very strong passions around mentorship and financial literacy. Um, A lot of that comes from my upbringing, the experiences and influences of um, having a poverty mindset, so aspiring to be poor, as I like to say, when I start talking about my passion in financial literacy. and those those really dro- drove me to to where I am today. So looking at you know growing up in Section Eight housing, growing up with uh, food stamps, and not understanding how people could make a living and survive without having access to those resources, but then um, witnessing people do that and becoming charged and finding out how I can be a part of that population. Um, really is just kind of the, the foundation of, of what got me on fire and started moving in the directions that I have. You'd mentioned the aspiring to be poor. What was that point in your life where you realized that you were looking at that as aspiring to be poor? What what was that experience like for you when you when that when that clicked for you? I think it's an experience that I'm still experiencing today. So any major accomplishment in my mind as it relates to just kind of financial awareness triggers me to um, reflect on what it is that I aspired for. And so I say that half jokingly because, of course, I didn't want to be poor growing up, but the mindset as related to what I was exposed to, I didn't know anybody who was a homeowner. Um, We didn't talk about credit cards or good credit. We didn't talk about money in general. Um, So when I started, I, I worked in a supermarket. And when I started seeing people come through the the, reg, the the lanes through my register and they're paying for these cart full of groceries with cash and, and debit cards, I'm like, 
people can afford to do this and live their lives. So that triggered me. And then once I got into financial services, of course, I saw a very large spectrum of um, financial behaviors from people who are living check to check, um, you know, with negative balances in their accounts to people who had very large balances. And so those those kind of things, I was just like, you know, let me take from, from here. Let me take from here. Let me take from here. It made me realize that my mindset was what was wrong. What was the or who is probably better, better question. Who was the person that really triggered you to change that mindset? My foundation, uh, the core beliefs that make make up, you know, how I approach any situation. Um, it's it's a, a combination of a lot of people. I can tell you the most influential person in my life. Um, in terms of the way that I think, in terms of my belief in myself, was absolutely my grandfather. I think he laid um, a foundation and really kind of gave me a launch pad to um, to everything that I've accomplished and everything that I will accomplish because of you know how he fed my mind, how he fed my my soul, and. Um, it's not that he gave me any um, specialized knowledge and and how to do this or how to you know financial literacy. It was it was it was supplying the building blocks on which I have built everything in terms of belief, in terms of uh, passion, in terms of the way that I think about things. So um, you know, I, I definitely give him a ton of credit for being you know the, the biggest influence in my life. Um, and that I think that extends into everything else that we're talking about, whether that be school, whether that be, um, you know, athletics, martial arts, whether that be um, entrepreneurship work. You know, that was that's the foundation there, that support. And it didn't matter what it was that I did, because it was always you can do it. That's what you want to do. You can do it. Go do it. Um, so the big part of go do it. I mean, that's that's a lot of the things that that people miss in the in the support of of family and friends. It's like, yeah, you can go do that. You can you can do it. Yeah, you can do anything. Um, But that 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 push to go. okay, so now go do it. That a lot of times is missing from a lot of people and a lot of environments. And, And when you phrase it that way, I think, you know, there's a follow-up to that. The follow-up is the accountability. And okay, so you said you was going to go do this. Where are you what at? What have you done? Yeah. <laughs> and so, absolutely. I mean, that existed for quite a while. Now, my grandfather passed away. I want to say three years ago or so. Um, so that was a that was a huge blow to to me. But um, still, very much alive in you know the spirit of everything that I do. Um, and so. I, I often flash back to conversations that we had and um, the influence that he's had on even me being able to talk and articulate myself in the way that I do. That mentality allowed you to to pursue higher education, which then allowed you to to go after the nonprofit 
that that is helping end homelessness. I, I love the idea that you have a program that is really focused on helping the homeless population understand the the, the financial piece of it so that they don't have to be f- homeless anymore. It's a two-pronged approach. It's, it's educating the, the masses around, you know, how homelessness is, is really a lot closer to home than we think, but then also educating the people who are impacted by homelessness or getting ready to be impacted by homelessness around how to take control of their lives. Basic financial literacy um, skills, whether that be understanding how banking products work, understanding budgeting, understanding credit, understanding how to create a plan, because a lot of people... Um, and not just homeless people, but a lot of people react out of uh, survival mode and they're not planning long term. So it's that check to check mentality or that check to check behavior because they don't know anything else or they can't do anything else. With being a published author, what was the the driver for you to to write the book? Who are you writing it for and who are you writing it to? The driver for writing that book actually was um, I was at rock bottom, I think, in my life uh, mentally. And it was something that I was dealing with on my own for the most part um, because I was very functionally depressed, if you will. Um, so I could get up. I can go to work. I can um, you know, go through my day smiling, get home, and then completely lose motivation to do anything and everything. I was beating myself up. I was in my head all the time um and i had it started to impact the work that i did so i took shared my situation with my manager at the time and she said you know what you have a story to tell why don't you just start writing it and so i took off 14 days from work i went to barcelona for seven days oh wow and i went to morocco um, casablanca morocco for the other seven and in that 14-day period, I just started writing, started writing, writing, writing. And I was just writing to get words on a page. And I came home and I started typing it up. And as I'm re-reading what it is that I wrote, I said, there's a lesson in this that I can share with other people. So the origin of the book was really for me to just express myself for myself. And then it became, well, there are other people out there who are going through what it is that I'm going through. And I need to share this message with them. I turned it from a memoir, in essence, to a playbook, which is a a strategy, really a guide to people who are mentors and to people who would like to be mentored in discussing the mechanics of that relationship and empowering both to understand each other, their roles, and define what those roles look like. I'm going to put it in the show notes as well, but this is uh, Rakim's book. Love the cover, by the way, man. Love it, love it, love it. Um, looks fantastic. Uh, one of the things that you you mentioned in here that I think a lot of people struggle with, struggle with that I'd like you to kind of dive into, loyalty will find its place. So in that chapter, uh, that was that was a good chapter. <laughs> there was, I, that um, was that was one that I dove into, and, and I and I read it actually a couple times. So that's why I, that one really really hit home, and I'd love for you to explain that chapter. I think a lot of times the foundation of the need for mentorship is to fill a void and and, and strategizing or rather in positioning the, the value that mentoring has, particularly in young men, because I can speak to that experience. Loyalty almost has a, a, 
uh, connotation associated with like obligation. Like, because this person is doing this for me, I need to do this. And so it's, it's a slippery slope. It's very dangerous actually, because when I talk about my experience in that book, I talk about, um, you know, being loyal to somebody who was, was misguided, who misguided me. But, and even though I knew better, in a lot of those instances, I still opted to be loyal because there was a there was a void being filled. Um, and so I, I, I share that story as a cautionary tale to some people. Um, but also um, when when talking to mentors and saying you have to understand the power that your influence has on these people who, who you're mentoring on the mentee, um, they may hang on to every word that you say. And if you're not strategic or careful about what it is that you're instructing them to do, you can essentially, uh, you know, drive somebody off of a bridge, so to speak. You can have negative mentors. You can have positive mentors. It just, you have to really pay attention to what they're, what they're doing. Absolutely. With that time being spent those 14 days and I, I, was there a point when you were like, why did I do this? And if so, how did you recalibrate yourself to to go? No, this is this is what I need to be doing. I did not ever doubt or second guess my reasons for going out there, but I can share with you that it wasn't a, a pleasant trip the entire fourteen days. Um, so I'm traveling internationally across the Atlantic Ocean for the first time by myself. I am um, in around a bunch of people, but really kind of in solitude for the 14 days, um, I was terrified, to be honest with you. I was in, you know, first Barcelona where, you know, I can, I can speak Spanish pretty fluently, but it's not my native language. So I'm like wondering, okay, are are they going to understand me? Am I going to understand them? Um, how do I get around, you know, am I a target because I'm American and I'm traveling by myself? Um, I did an Airbnb. I didn't do it a hotel. So I'm staying in an apartment that is uh, shared with three different parties. So I'm like, is my stuff going to be all right when I leave? Like lots of just small anxious ticks that I'm experiencing. Um, on the seventh day, it was my birthday and I was by myself. So I, I went to a little cafe. I got myself a little cupcake and I cried. <laughs> I cried at the, um, at the table by myself, tried to be very incognito about it because that was the height of my anxiety, the height of my depression. I'm like, I'm by myself. I don't have anybody. I'm here. So kind of to your point, not this is stupid, but like I'm by myself, like I'm, I'm, I'm by myself on my birthday. Why am I by myself? And then the next seven days I spent in Morocco, which was even worse because I legit could not communicate with anybody. So they spoke French and Arabic, which I had no knowledge of. And um, pretty much I stayed in the hotel room and within maybe a five to six block radius of the hotel, um, just kind of did some walking around. But I couldn't communicate with anybody. I felt so alone. But there was power in that because now I'm forced to focus on my mission. I'm not. I'm not there to enjoy myself or to, you know, enjoy the luxuries of traveling internationally. Like, I'm here for a mission. I'm here to write. And so I was forced to do that. 
And, um, and that was really kind of the best part about it, even though while I was experiencing it, it was a little rough. What was the, the thing that you either said to yourself or you did to, to turn on that mental toughness or to turn on that, that determination to just keep pushing forward with the, with the mission of, of writing your story down because, you know, a lot of people that suffer from depression or suffer from anxiety, just completely shut down. Oh, like, yeah. like there's, I, I'm pretty sure that sitting in that cafe, you're like, maybe I don't go to Morocco. Maybe I figure out how to get home. Absolutely. So how, how did, how did you, you know, what did you do inside of your head or outside in your body to go to, to just push forward? Because that's where a lot of people with, that suffer from those two things get stuck because they can't figure out how to push forward. What, what did you do to, to push forward? A couple of things. So not everybody that knew I was traveling knew why I was traveling. So there was no sense of obligation to other people, but there was absolutely a sense of obligation to myself. And I thought about how disappointed in myself I would be for ending my trip early, for wasting the money that I spent to go out there, um, for not completing my mission. And at the end of the day, especially when you're dealing with something like depression, you're dealing with you know yourself. Um, you're only accountable to yourself, and that was that was key learning for me in that um, in that experience is that I'm accountable to me. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. I came out here to do something. And if I go home now, or if I stop doing this now because I'm feeling alone or I'm feeling, you know, beat up or whatever I was experiencing in my head, then then I failed myself. And there's no amount of support. There's no amount of reassurance. There's no amount of, you know, that's okay, patting on the back that anybody could do to make me feel better about how I feel about myself because I set out to accomplish something and I didn't accomplish it. Um, so that, that was me, you know, kind of kicking into gear and saying, look, like get it together. You're here, ride it out, do what you have to do. And then when you go home, you can, you know, you can get, get yourself together. So I have to ask a question. Did you look at flights home? I did not look at flights home, but I absolutely considered not going to Morocco. And, and if I did look at flights, I probably would have purchased one. So I'm glad, <laughs> even, I'm glad I didn't even pull it up. Which place did you feel that you wrote the most useful or most intense content? Was it Spain or was it Morocco? It was Spain, definitely. I was inspired everywhere I turned, you know, looking at the architecture, looking at the art, listening to people talk and interact and, you know, smelling the different hair and seeing the different, you know, animals. Um, that was just kind of like, oh, I should write. Oh, I should write. Even if I wasn't writing towards a story, even if I was just writing to reflect on my experience there, which ultimately ended up in the book, it was still, um, it was still kind of enriching to that environment. If I had to do it all over again, um, I would, but I probably would have restructured Morocco. I probably would have um, been a little bit more prepared going into that experience. From that experience, what have you learned that helps you fight that feeling of overwhelm, that feeling of anxiety, I guess you could, you would call it, uh, or just when you start to lose focus, what have you, what did you 
what have you learned since then that you use as a tactic to to recenter, refocus, and and just execute? From my perspective now is thinking about all of the people that I can influence and the people that I have influenced. I'd be very, very satisfied in life if, you know, a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, somebody said, hey, you know, you may not remember me, but you came and spoke to me. And I was going through a really rough time and I read your book and I just turned it all around. Like that, that would be the, like the epitome of realization for me. Like, all right, what I did was worth it. I mean, you, you mentioned that you you went to Robert Kiyosaki's um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad yes. course, <laughs> um, which I'm assuming that means you've maybe read the book. <laughs> so so other than that book, what other books have have really helped you move your mindset forward? hundred percent. How to Win Friends and Influence People is my, I would read that book every year. Um, I, I read it uh, last year. I read it this year. I listened to it this year. Um, and I actually read that book while I was on my way to Spain in this time that we're talking about um, for the first time. So that, that book influences me to this day because it really hones in on and focuses on the power of building relationships, authentic relationships with individuals and how to um, come to a mutual understanding about anything, really. Um, I think anybody who's in any kind of human services, any kind of sales, any kind of management, any kind of interacting with other people. So basically everybody. Everybody (laughs) should read this book. They should should read this book ASAP. Um, It's so powerful. But it, it goes back to that point of, you know, you're having that now and using that knowledge and if you don't apply what it is in that book then you know you're you're kind of wasting your time so um i absolutely believe that everybody should read this book and they should apply what it is that they learn the most recent book you've read that impacted you the most would be um crushing it by gary v um was the most recent book that has impacted me um i started off not being a gary v fan I, 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 have to, I, I have to ask what 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 was the initial turnoff for Gary V? He's just so unpolished, and I thought, and that was the thing. I thought that in order to be influential, and in order to be successful, that you had to have a certain polish about yourself that I was not seeing in him. And I was just like, this guy is just like, he's trendy. He's trending right now. He like, I'm not, I'm not interested. And yeah, then, he's been trending for a while. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's what it was. It was like, okay, like he's, he's still here and he's not trending flat. Like he's trending on an incline. Um, that's really what caught me. And I was just like, man, like I've been missing out by sitting here and like ignoring this guy. Um, he's just, uh, he, he is so authentic and so genuine and so influential. And just, there's a lot of power in words that he uses um, to everybody. He can talk to kids. He can talk to corporate professionals. Like there's something for everybody in what he talks about. And so, um, when I think about my social media strategy, um, Gary is at the foundation of that as well. What have you learned from, from Gary V's book that maybe you didn't know or think about, or how did it change your perception? Well, I purchased a book because it was highly recommended 
in terms of uh, social media strategy. And I know he's like a guru, guru when it comes to content generation and, and, and that sort of thing. So um, when he breaks down each platform and how to use that platform to maximize your reach and maximize your effectiveness, that was the biggest takeaway from me. This is going to sound like a bit of an oxymoron, but what would you say is your favorite or biggest failure slash setback that you feel set you up for the big growth or the success that you've found thus far? <laughs> My favorite is definitely the, um, the rich dad training that I participated in. But ultimately what ended up happening was I invested in their advanced training and I wasn't in a place to execute on all of the strategies that they talked about, ultimately lost all the money that I had, had saved at that point in time, um, with the intentions of buying my first house. The reason why that's my favorite though, is because they taught everybody in the room how to raise money very quickly. The, the lessons that I learned in that fundraising and use that to propel myself forward from a credit perspective. Use that knowledge to understand how the credit game, as I refer to it, works. I don't mind sharing that I checked my FICO uh, two days ago. And I was at 817. Dang. <laughs> Ooh. People and are happy when they hit 720. Yeah, but man, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> man, you're in the 800s. I never thought that I would get into the 800s. You know, like I said, growing up, I didn't understand what credit was like. And then once I became conscious of credit, I was in like the low to mid 600s. So when I jumped into the 700s for the first time, I'm like, yeah. And the mid 700s, and I'm like, okay, like this is considered good credit. High 700s, I'm like, okay, it's not going to go much higher than this. So when I saw 800 for the first time, I'm like, I'm at the like the cream of the cream of the crop. <laughs> credit there. And um, yeah, it's, and it's what is it like less than two percent of the population is at 800? Probably, it's it's a, a very low number. So by 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 going and and I'm going to try and summarize what it is you just said is like by losing all of the money you had saved you actually learned how to fundraise for your other projects and or increase your credit worthiness absolutely that is absolutely. awesome what belief behavior or habit has changed in the last two to three years for you that has made a substantial impact in your life Definitely within the last two to three years, I have made it a point to force myself to be uncomfortable. Um, I think even in, you know, this. Can you give an example? Perception. Sure. When it comes to, so I'm extremely introverted. Nobody would know that. What? Uh, <laughs> okay. So everybody, Nobody he's on <laughs> Ted Huff show. He reached, he and I interacted off of social media, like you'd mentioned before. He and I interacted off of social media, so introverted is not something that, that makes a whole lot of sense. So help me understand that, that, that pushing, that uncomfort. I, so I've been able to identify the value and exposure, for one. 
um, but also building relationships. And so in knowing that, and, and, and these are coming from you know, how to win friends and influence people. These are coming from, um, you know, just daily practices of, of speaking to people um, that I would not otherwise speak to. I've realized that it opened so many doors because people like to talk about what they have going on. People like to know what you have going on. I don't know if it's a competition thing or a comparison thing or, or what, but once you make a connection around something that, you know, well, wait a second, you're doing that and I'm doing this and we can add value to each other. How, or better phrased, how can I add value to your situation? Um, I, I've, I've realized so much success based off of the relationship that I build. And so I challenge myself even in rooms full of people. So, you know, I speak, um, rooms full of people that I'm extremely nervous and I'm like, Oh man, like everybody's going to be looking at me. Everybody's going to be listening to me. Hopefully I don't, uh, like I just did now stumble on a word or, um, mispronounce something or people, um, have a perception of, of me or anything related to, you know, my being present there. I have to put all that aside and just say, you know what, I'm here to do X, Y, Z job. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I'm uncomfortable. I'm sweating. I'm nervous. My heart is pounding in my chest, but I'm going to do it anyway. And within the last definitely two to three years, that's something that I challenge myself to do daily. I get phone calls. I get emails and people are like, hey, saw your business card at this place. Wanted to follow up with you. And I'm like, am I going to like, am I going to be prepared to add value that they're looking for? Um, but I, I always pick up the phone. I always make time. Even if I don't think that there's going to be value, I always make time. We talk and I say, you know what? I don't think that I can add value in this situation. Or I do think that I can add value in this situation. Let's work. Right. And that, that's, that's a non-negotiable for me. Absolutely. Rakeem, before we close out, I want to make sure that people can walk away today with three tactics that can help them be a better mentor, better mentee, or just an all-around better person, what three things would you suggest that people start doing immediately after this show? What I've adopted as a non-negotiable, put, put yourself in situations that you're uncomfortable because that's where the most growth is going to occur. So whether that is um, speaking in front of an audience or speaking to somebody that you know you feel maybe you should not be speaking to in terms of um, if we're looking at it from a corporate perspective, in terms of level, um, if you're looking at it from any perspective, really just get out there, make yourself uncomfortable as possible because that's where the most growth is going to occur. Second one, um, absolutely focus on self-assessing. So that's a practice that I have uh, adopted recently. I've always considered myself to be very self-aware but I think self-assessment is more than just looking inward. Self-assessment is finding out what people think about you, how people feel about you, how you make other people feel. Because I think a lot of times, especially when we start to realize some measure of success or some measure of exposure, that we're like, all right, we got it. Like, I'm good. I don't have any negative characteristics. So what and is your what is your favorite or your preferred method? The easiest and probably the most effective, I think, for me is you gather three to five of the closest people to you, 
um, people that interact with you on a regular basis, that see you on a regular basis. They can be at work. They can be outside of work. And you ask them very honestly to, to let you know, you know, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? I asked someone recently, what toxic traits do I have from your perspective? Ooh, that's a good question. What toxic traits do I have? That is a really good question. And, um, and they had some feedback from me and, and I said, okay, you know, and you have to be, you have to position yourself to be prepared to hear it all too, because it's not always easy to get negative feedback and then to take action. So you have to be invested in that process as well, because you might, I, I might suggest that you, um, you talk to the, to the people that are not close to you, to the people that hate your guts, because they're going to be the most honest about the traits about you that they don't, they don't like. Um, and so those conversations can be, you know, very difficult to kind of wrangle because why are you talking to somebody that hates your guts? And that goes back to your number one, right? Do Absolutely. something that you're uncomfortable with. That may Absolutely. be asking someone for a critical feedback that you know for certain doesn't doesn't like you. Right. So how right. does that set us up for number three then? Number three um, is a practice that I I don't do enough, but I think I do it uh, very consistently. Writing down your goals. There's so much power in. Um, first determining in your mind what it is that you want to accomplish, right? But then speaking it or writing it down on paper so that you have accountability to say, okay, you know what? Five years ago, I wrote this down as something that I wanted to accomplish, and here it is. Did I accomplish it or not? Um, and this is not to be kind of confused with like the New Year's resolution trends uh, because it's something that you can do at any point during the year. And it's something that, you know, you're invested in making happen. So it's not, okay, well, it's, it's Monday. I'm going to start a new diet. It's okay. Six months from now, this is what I want to accomplish. How am I going to get there? A year from now, this is what I want to accomplish. How am I going to get there? Five years from now, this is what I want to accomplish. How am I going to get there? And I shared with someone recently, I said, you know, I haven't gotten where I am in life just by letting life happen to me. You know, like, I find that most successful people are successful because they have a plan that they're adhering to, not because they got lucky, not because, you know, they tripped and fell and they found a million dollars, but because they have what, a strategy. You mean there's no success fairy? <laughs> there's no success fairy. And I tell my mom this all the time. We joke about um, playing the lotto. She's like, you know, we have to go. We have to go buy these tickets. We have to go. And I said, I'm not meant to, I'm not meant to be wealthy in that way. Because I know that if I'm meant to become wealthy, I'm meant to know how I got there so that if I was to ever lose that wealth, you can get I would know how to get it back. Yeah. Do you use any, any specific method? Do you follow? Um, is there a particular goal setting process you go through? Is there a, uh, and what I mean by that is a, like a bullet journal or something of that nature that you go back to over and over again that helps you work your way through it. Do you, do you use tools like that? I'm very visual. So I have three dry erase boards, cork boards, all kinds of journals. Um, I would definitely recommend, and I do recommend to everybody that I mentor that they buy a journal, they could get a composition notebook or they can get a fancy journal that costs $20, whatever it is, buy a journal. And then you start writing down what those goals are. 
um, hold yourself accountable to that because you go back and you look. I've kept journals since I was in the sixth grade that I still have to this day. So I can look back and say, well, this is what I was thinking back then. This is how I was feeling back then. This is how I've changed to measure that growth. And the journal doesn't have to follow a particular structure, but I usually recommend definitely writing down those six-month, one-year, and five-year increments because that's where you're going to see changes occur. Rakim, doing the setting the goals and writing them down is a really big piece, and it seems to be a very common thing that has been said on the show, and I'm, I'm glad you bring it up too because repetition is super, super helpful for everybody to hear and see that, especially for myself. Um, what is the best way for people to reach out to you, learn more about you, learn more about your mission? The, the absolute best is my website. So it's www.rakimsabri.com. So that's R-A-H-K-I-M-S-A-B-R-E-E.com. And then I'm very active on social media, Instagram in particular. So my Instagram handle is Unlimited Investment Inquiries. And I'll definitely have that uh, in the show notes. Guys, uh, show some love for Rakim. Um, go out, go to Amazon. Uh, I will have links in the show notes to pick up his book. Uh, it is a quick read, but it is full of great information. Uh, nice reminders for me. I've read a lot of books and this one just reminded me of a lot of things that maybe I had left out over time, but definitely click on the link in the show notes, pick up the book. You won't regret it. Rakim, I really appreciate you being on the show. And if there's anything else I can do for you, let me know. Thank you for having me. That's it for this episode of The Ted Huff Show. But we know you're wondering where you go from here. TedHuff.com makes it easy for you to get notifications for new episodes, specialized contests, exclusive giveaways, and upcoming events simply by signing up for our mailing list. You'll get access to all this and more by visiting TedHuff.com. That's T-E-D-D-H-U-F-F.com. Until next time, open your mind and expand your empire right here on The Ted Huff Show.